From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., the Republican-controlled state assembly has passed a slew of tough-on-crime bills. They include revoking extended supervision if the person has committed a felony or violent misdemeanor while on release. The bill originally revoked supervision if the person committed any crime. Other provisions include expanding the list of crimes that could land a child in a youth prison and expanding the list of violent crimes that disqualify inmates for early release. Republicans say the bills are necessary in order to keep communities safe, but Democrats blasted the plan, arguing that many states have enacted reforms to reduce the prison population. Why did the GOP push so hard for these bills, and do they have a chance of making it past Democratic Governor Tony Evers? Interesting question on why they're pushing the bills now, because the trend nationally has been away from this kind of stuff, and President Trump and the State of the Union talked about kind of basically efforts to reduce prison populations, you know, criminal justice reform. But from talking to people on the Capitol, it seems like there's a thought that these are largely suburban Republicans who are opposing these, uh, these bills, that um, they're trying to shore up support with su- suburban voters who may be uncomfortable about what they're seeing in Milwaukee, for example. As far as what they get done, um, Governor Evers talked about during the 2018 campaign wanting to reduce the prison population, criminal justice reform, so the going thought is it's not going to get past his desk. What's also interesting is that, especially in the Senate Republican caucus, there's been a hesitancy to spend a lot of money outside of what is approved in the budget because they're a little nervous about the kind of spending that we're seeing. These bills, at least some of them, would spend some decent amounts of money, and one of them especially could, uh, if it became law, require new prisons, um, housing more offenders. But Republicans are kind of confident that, you know, quietly, that they don't have to worry about that because they pretty much figured governor is going to veto most of the big ticket bills in this. So might some of it get done? Sure, possibly some of it. But the, the big ticket stuff, no. The going thought is right now is Evers will veto it if he gets to his desk because he's just, he's just not there on these things. Another big story, the Republican-controlled Joint Finance Committee rejected a plan to build new institutions to replace Lincoln Hills and Copper Lake, the state's troubled youth prisons in northern Wisconsin. The committee says the state doesn't have the money to build new facilities. Lincoln Hills has been the subject of lawsuits over the past few years, claiming that prison staffers were abusing inmates and that conditions were deplorable and inmate supervision was inadequate. As a result, lawmakers had voted previously to close the two facilities by July of next year. So is that still going to happen? Uh, unlikely that we will have a type one facility or the two that they want to do to house those offenders. This all began, there were reports at Lincoln Hills of inmates being, um, or youthful offenders being mistreated by staff. That led to a federal investigation that produced no criminal charges, but also exposed some of what's going on up there. And in 2018, there was a big push by lawmakers and governor, then Governor Walker to close this prison because, in part, because it was a bad optic for Governor Walker ahead of the re- his reelection campaign. Um, they passed a bill that set a deadline to close Lincoln Hills and include $80 million to fund it. Now, at the time, when I talked to people about the proposal, they acknowledged me that, yeah, $80 million is not going to be enough. But we're trying to get a marker down there. We'll come back and put more money in later on. What they're finding out is it costs way more than they thought it would for these facilities. This is 
This is what happens when you rush a bill through the process to try and address an issue without taking the time to really explore what might this cost. And because of that, they're now trying to play catch up and figure out how to do this. Now, um, there are some legitimate complaints about the process and how Milwaukee, for example, and the site in Outta Gaming County were picked. These type one facilities, there are things there for to be worked out, but a lot of this is just, they did not take the time two years ago to figure out what this reality was about closing Lincoln Hills and what needed to be done. And now they're paying the price for that work that they didn't put in two years ago. Hmm. So does political pressure remain to do something about Lincoln Hills or has it worn off over time? Good question, because the longer that Lincoln Hills is open, the more that there are problems, the more it's going to come back and bite lawmakers and the governor in the butt. Now, we have uh, a settlement in place that required changes of conditions up there. We get an update from a uh, person overseeing that settlement every so often. It seems like conditions are improving. But if you have a big incident that's going to, you know, prompt out a point, finger pointing of, okay, you guys could have addressed this. Why didn't you? So, again, that deadline to close, it's coming up. Every day it's open past that exposes the people who didn't close it to criticism of, okay, something happened. Now whose fault is it? Turning to the spring primary elections that are coming up tomorrow, there's a statewide race on the ballot for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Conservative incumbent Justice Daniel Kelly faces two liberal-leaning challengers, Dane County Circuit Judge Jill Karofsky and Marquette Law Professor Ed Fallone. At least two of the candidates have launched TV ads. What have been the dynamics of the race so far, and compared to the past, how heated has this been? A little heated so far, but not too terribly, um, you know, Justice Kelly has been unhappy with Judge Karofsky accusing him basically of, of siding with um, conservative groups every time, the people who have supported him politically, um, calling it slander. Uh, Karofsky has refused to back down. You know, Falone's accused both of them of politicizing the court race. But to be honest, it's not, nothing we, it's not something we haven't seen before. The dynamic, though, is that looking at that three-person race, the top two vote-getters will advance to the general election. If you're gauging it by money and ads, you would give the edge to Kelly and then Karaski to get through because Kelly's raised the most, got up on TV first. And while people like you and I may pay close attention to this race already and know the candidates, the average voter is not that tuned in ahead of a February primary. So it's key for Kelly to get up to kind of remind people who he is, that he's the incumbent, that you know he's a conservative, send the right messages to conservative voters. They knew that he was the guy they should support. Um in the February primary for Karofsky, also important to get up on the air because even though she's raised a lot more money than Ed Fallone has, and she's a sitting judge, which gives her an edge in voters' minds, people tell me, it's not a guarantee she'll get to that, that three-person primary. So getting up on the air helps like just remind people who you are, connect with voters, make them with your name. Fallone's struggle has been he doesn't have the resources to get up on the air. Without being up on the air, it's harder for people to know who he is. Now, the one path that people see for Fallon would be Milwaukee has a primary for mayor and county executive on Tuesday. Uh, Block in Milwaukee is, is, has endorsed Fallon as turning people out. If somehow there's a big turnout in Milwaukee, maybe that gives an advantage to Fallon or some kind of an edge you can ride to getting through. But I think most people I talk to right now believe that it's going to be um, Kelly and Karofsky make it the primary. Though, you know, I never... Never rule anything out, but it looks like those two are the, are the favorites right now to get out of that primary.
there's another big race in northern Wisconsin, a special election primary to replace GOP Congressman Sean Duffy, who retired last year. On the Republican side, voters will choose between State Senator Tom Tiffany or retired Army Captain Jason Church. The winner goes on to face Democrat Tricia Zunker in May. So at first, it looked like, at least to me, this looked like it was Tom Tiffany's race to lose. But the primary between Tiffany and Church turned out to be rather competitive. What do you think will happen here? Good question. What I've been asking about this so far, the, it's been interesting because the people I talk to about these things, the, the general sentiment I've gotten going back to, oh, you know, early this year was, this is Tom Tiffany's race to lose. In the last few weeks... I've heard the same thing, but a little less confidence in the tone of their voices because they're seeing that Church has got a compelling story to tell. Uh, double amputee, injured in Afghanistan while serving in the Army, um, step, you know, injured by an IED, uh, this outsider, outsider thing he's, he's messaging this campaign. It's an interesting um, story to tell and it's getting some attention. He's also getting endorsed by some national Republicans who – uh, like that story, who've also served overseas, that's kind of helping him. So you have like that kind of outsider thing versus Tiffany, who has got a 10-year, 12-year record in the state legislature, a little bit better known to start the district, um, has some more Wisconsin connections. So, you know, I, I get the impression people think that it's still Tiffany with an edge, but people wouldn't be surprised if J- Church emerges uh, as the winner on Tuesday. Both these guys have connections and a story to tell. And outside groups are playing, and it's it's really a fascinating race right now. And again, I I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way on Tuesday between those two gentlemen. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And finally, the legislature's two-year session is winding down. The state assembly will meet again tomorrow. What items are on the docket, and are we possibly looking at the final week of the session? Yes, final week of the session for the assembly at least. Now the Senate, um, it expects to be in in March yet. And then the question becomes... Will the Assembly come back to take up anything that the Senate did? We'll see. But the Assembly themes this week are going to be water bills. Um, the Speaker's Task Force and clean water. We're going to see a tax package that was released late last week. Um, they're going to talk about a bill to extend drinking hours for uh, taverns during the DNC at the International Convention this summer. So it's basically the it. This is it. It's the rush to get everything done for the session ends. Um, because they want to go out now and go back and campaign. So it, it's it's deadline time. We call this like the end of session crush. It'll be long days in the Assembly on Tuesday and Thursday, then the Senate on on Wednesday. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.